Welcome to Murder Avenue. talk about his childhood we have to kind of i want to try to develop a picture as to what was the turning point what made him do what he did were there signs early oh yeah there were oh for sure i mean his name alone is already weird and they don't really call him this it's gary leon ridgeway don't really call him that but he was born in 1949 february 18th so birthday just a few months ago yeah 70 yeah jesus uh, Salt Lake City, Utah is the second son of Mary and Thomas Ridgway's three sons in total. So he has two brothers. Makes you wonder whatever happened to them. He's got the uh, middle child syndrome. Really? I know sure. that's a thing. I'm, I'm not the middle child, but I could definitely see that as a thing. Uh, which is, this is fuck. This is just crazy. It gets weirder. Uh, his home life was somewhat troubled. Uh, relatives had described his mother as domineering. And they had said that young Ridgway witnessed more than one violent argument between his parents. His father was a bus driver who would often complain about the presence of sex workers because, oddly enough, the route that his father drove the bus on is incidentally the same exact road and route that Ridgway would find his victims later on. Imagine that. Yeah. Ridgway also had a pretty dominating bedwetting problem. Oh, until he boy. Was- 13 yeah but get this his mama would wash his genitals for him after every bedwetting episode clean ween clean your ween disgusting it's so yeah she would do it for him you know stopped but at the same time this isn't the only serial killer that i've heard of verbatim from somebody that had his mother clean his penis oh boy yeah, so it's like definitely a thing. I guess it was a thing back then. Like, why would they assume that they had to clean your penis? Like, you're not a baby. I'm 13, Mom. I can wash my own dick. Like, what the fuck? So that would uh, result in conflicting feelings of anger and sexual attraction towards Mama. Yes. And he fantasized about killing her. Pure rage. Pure rage this man had to his mother in certain incidences where it's also like, you also had sexual fantasies about her? It's conflicting as fuck. Like, I, I don't even know how to explain it. How but do you explain be- that? You can't. You can't. Right. But between the uh, sexual attraction to his mom and the dad complaining about the sex workers, that pretty much sums his entire life up right there. Yeah. For sure. It's crazy that this is such a longer story because the man happened to last for fucking two decades doing shit like this, and he only had an IQ recorded in the low 80s. Right. And I had just recently done some stuff on uh, Otis Tool and guys like that and these motherfuckers had the iq that low as well it's like what how are you functioning how are you so smart to not only commit these crimes but to stay ahead of them in a lot of ways 
bizarre. Because I feel like I'm smart. That's like I never even think about how I could get away with a crime. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, right. I get, yeah, for sure. Uh, because think about this. This is something that I found really tragic. Is when he was 16 years old, he ended up taking this six-year-old kid out to the woods. And this kid was dressed. He lured him out to the woods, and the kid was dressed as a cowboy. And Ridgeway proceeded to stab the kid and then left him, uh, presumably thinking he was dead. And later on to find out that the kid survived, but the kid could not identify who Ridgeway was. And the reason why, Ridgeway is quoted to have said, the reason that he did this is he just wanted to see what it felt like to kill. Creepy. At 16, dude. Right. That does not make sense to me. I mean, obviously it shouldn't, but at the same time, you're like, that's the whole point, is just trying to, I don't know, make sense of it all? Yeah. I mean, because of his dad being a bus driver, and then also us coming up with the concept of him being the middle child and that syndrome, you know, maybe these things all added up to what he ultimately became. He was. Uh, yeah. There was there was there was something. There was something. Uh, like you said, he wasn't too smart. He he graduated high school at the age of twenty. Yeah, that's bizarre. That's kind of late. I was an old student too. Like my birthday was in the summertime, so I always came back and I was a year older than all the other kids. And I still graduated when I was 18. There you go. Like, it, what? <laughs> 20? Dude, I knew kids that were like fucking six-year seniors or like 26 years old going to high school. Like, dude, you're huge. You look like a man. This is weird. Uh, Ridgeway was known uh, not only to have stabbed that kid, but he had also suffocated a cat. Oh, I didn't That's come dark. across that. That's very dark. Think yeah, about is. not just killing a cat, but to suffocate it, bro? To take uh, its life away slowly in your hands, or with a pillow, or whatever fashion he did it—that's crazy. That's dark. There's also uh, this uh, where he had—he was a bad student. Obviously, uh, he repeated a grade twice. Uh, Gary ended up getting into a, a small scuffle during a school dance—not even a school dance. It was just a dance thing, something that they did in this area during this time. Because I think we forgot to mention Gary was born. What I, no? What did I say when he was born? Yeah, 49, 1949. So he was at this dance hall, and he proceeds to go to the bathroom, and he's using the bathroom, and some kid is next to him, and Gary pees on his foot, <clears throat> pees on his leg, and the kid gets pissed, and he tells him that he's gonna have to clean it up, whatever, clean it up. So he pees on him again, and they end up getting into a fight because Gary decided to pee on a kid. Mm. It didn't last very long because you know. Older people came in and kind of stopped it from happening, teachers and whatnot. But yeah, he definitely pissed on it, pissed on somebody else. Like, fuck oh, that's different. Yeah, it is. It's especially at that age. Why is that even an idea in your head? No idea. But oddly enough, even though he graduated when he was 20 years old, he joined the Navy. Yeah, and he got to see some combat in Vietnam. So here we we're talking about this this guy who could have like a PTSD after as well because so far which okay let's backtrack because we can't even say that has anything to do with his killings for the simple fact that he had tried to stab a six year old as well as smothering a cat bedwetting no signs of uh, pyromania yet but still while he was in the navy he ends up visiting the Philippines and that led to finding uh, an interest in prostitutes. And at this time, he was married, but his interest in prostitutes led to gonorrhea, which could also have led to his uh, hatred for prostitutes and divorce because when he came back, found out his wife had an affair. It's like, dude, you were fucking street, street urchins. There you go. I like urchins. It's better. 
but uh, oddly enough, that is that is something that you would think like, how could he be shitty at her? Like she probably just had sex with like some guy she knows, like the mailman or the milkman, because that was still a thing. Oh, I hope it was the mailman. That'd be <laughs> right. <laughs> Circle back. There's a callback. That's what I call it. Uh, yeah. But anyways, yeah, that's a crazy thing to come back with gonorrhea. Your current wife has an affair while you're gone, and you get pissed and divorce her. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of trouble getting ladies. Yeah, I don't understand that. He's, he looks like a fucking 8th grade social studies teacher. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, yeah. <laughs> like, I would just be like, this guy's just gonna fucking drone on today about the Civil War. Again. Great. Hate that class. He doesn't look like a, guy, a teacher that you'd be after the class be like, Oh, Mr. Ridgeway, how was your weekend? No, he's just seeming like, no, get out. Close the door on your way out, too. I'm not talking to other teachers. <laughs> yeah, and, and his friends did describe him as friendly but strange. Yeah, yeah. Quirks, I would say. Some things that were a little bit off of the average person who has got no issues, I guess, right? Yeah. But uh, he's a divorced man in 1972. No actual murders have occurred yet. By the age of 22, he marries a Marsha Winslow. His second wife of three. That's right. Oddly enough, he would have sex with his wife outside quite often. Specific locations like the Green River. And other locations that were eventually his dumping grounds. Yeah. So he's out there having sex with his wife, Marsha, in the areas where he eventually puts the dead bodies that he does come back and have sex with. He's a creature of habit. (laughs) <laughs> the grossest habit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was, I guess we were going to get right into that now, but uh, yeah, so he kills a bunch of ladies and then he often goes back and has sex with their corpses so that he doesn't yeah. get more live victims. So he just yes. relieves his frustration out on the ones he's already killed. Oh, and it's going to be great because he's got a good quote about this. Uh, Marsha ends up leaving him though. He has a second divorce, which allegedly is the reason that, that it kind of broke him. And it claimed if he had only killed her, he wouldn't have killed all the others. That's what he said. Sounds legit. And uh, he would have uh, sex with most of the women uh, before the crimes. And then necrophilia, as we priorly mentioned. And his reason for this, it was a free date. He didn't have to pay. He didn't have to take you out to dinner. He didn't have to drum up small talk. He didn't have to be charming. He could just go over there. Uh, I don't even know what it would be. I don't know how that works at all. It's just, an, it's so gross. Uh, well, he did have an insatiable sexual appetite, and his three ex-wives and all the ex-girlfriends did report that he demanded sex several times a day and in public or in the woods. Um, he also admitted to having a fixation with sex workers who he had a love-hate relationship with. Yeah, he's not a normal cat when it comes to those things. You know, people visit prostitutes. That's why it is the oldest living, what, uh, job, I guess, that exists. The oldest and, profession, uh, yeah. There you go. I couldn't think of the word. Thank you. That's why you're here. That's uh, why I'm here. <laughs> and math. Math is also your... You helped me with that. Oh, <laughs> you said it's 70 years old. I would have never guessed it. It says it right on the wiki page. That's how I saw it. <laughs> Still, I would have been like... It's a number. It's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, speaking of numbers, his he had a son with his first wife, and he was age seven. The first time that he was used started to being started to be used as like a prop for 
basically to put these women at ease. Oh, yeah, of, right, because he'd, uh, he'd show the sex workers uh, the picture of his kid to get them to trust him. He had, he had actually been with, uh, with his dad at one point when his dad was with this woman, and they drove to the woods, and him and his... He stayed in the car while his dad left with this chick to the woods, came back with no with no lady at all, and the son at this age is asking, you know, what happened to her? Oh, she walked home. What the? You brought your kid? Oh, okay. Ridiculous, man. I don't even know. Yeah, that's a bit much. Yeah. So, uh, several victims had been found at at this point. They were kind of aware that women were going missing because yes. they were floating in this river known as the Green River. It's a pretty popular place in the area. And the first two victims were actually found by children. Two kids that happened to be kind of around the area were... It was actually on July 15, 1982. They discovered the two bodies floating. Two bodies found by two kids the worst people to find dead bodies. Yeah, that's a bit traumatizing. I would think so. But by August 15th, two more bodies are found by a, a boat and the guy thought that they were mannequins, which is the stupidest thing in the fucking world. Who throws a mannequin in the river? <laughs> what the fuck? Right. How is that? Because this isn't the first time that I've heard somebody who has found a body think that it was a mannequin or, or claim that it was a mannequin or say that it was a mannequin well it's not something you expect to find too often no for sure i mean even but even a mannequin finding a mannequin has to be pretty fucking rare i, I would i would think so that's creepy as hell you're just walking through the woods there's a mannequin there what who left this out here was there a barber or something out i don't what's happening Did somebody just quit jc penny and steal <laughs> steal all the mannequins leave them in the Maybe. woods i don't know it I could don't. be possible Okay, so so this Ridgeway character, he, he began each murder by uh, picking up a woman who was usually a sex worker, uh, and like we said, he sometimes showed a picture of his kid to trick her into trusting him, and then after he would uh, rape the woman, he would strangle her from behind, uh, and at first he did it manually, but uh, he, they were always fighting back, so he would get wounds and bruises because they were trying to defend themselves, so he started using ligatures. Yeah, that's... uh. And the thing that bothers me the most about this is the fact that it was in his own house. Or his truck, or in a secluded yeah, area. That's fair. But, I mean, as far as, like, this, the majority of these that he actually had remembered, I think, probably the ones you would remember are the ones that you brought to your house. Probably. And that's just, that's crazy. That's so crazy to me to bring him right to your house, a person, I don't know, if, especially when you knew he was planning to kill. Yeah. But continuing on, by uh, 1984, 13 bodies had been found, and no idea who the killer was. They had a lot of suspects. They were definitely uh, investigating this heavily. There was a Green River Task Force that was eventually put together formed. with a uh, yeah formed. I can't. Why I was failing on the words. You're having trouble with your words, and I'm the tired one. <laughs> and I got all this stuff written down in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, but yeah. okay. But the, but the best part is that they actually talked to Ted Bundy to get his uh, opinions on the psychological motivation of the killer. That's right. There's a movie, a 2019 movie called Bundy and the Green River. I think uh, coming out or it is out, but it is a a lower budget movie. But uh, yeah, this task force was compiled of 
50 people. That's a huge task force. It is. There, were, there was between 12,000 and 15,000 suspects they were looking at at one point. That's a large number because keep in mind, back then they didn't have means to test for DNA, etc. True. No, no, not then. And now at this point, Gary is still killing constantly and he finally does hit their radar because it has to do with the truck and Ted Bundy's help. He was, uh, Ridgeway was known for frequently repainting the various trucks that he used to go pick up these women, and that is because his profession was a painter and a taper, which those are the guys that tape the lines that you eventually paint, so all had to do with painting vehicles. Now, Ted Bundy, like, uh, you were saying, Ted Bundy actually wrote a letter directly to these people saying how he could help capture Ridgeway or th this specific killer because necrophilia was a thing where he would go back to the crime scenes and they started surveillance on the crime scenes based on his suggestion that's right how crazy that is that to have occurred but it makes sense to me because I always ask the question what are these guys what would these guys be like together you know would they be friendly would they be disgusted with one another I don't know maybe they'd compete with each other to uh, do the sickest murder as well but uh be speaking of sickness uh triangle shaped rocks were found inside victims genitals no, oh, was, uh, I didn't read that yeah it was uh it's actually part of this book that some the, one of the, the detectives wrote or investigators wrote about this thing I read that a long time ago but yeah it's definitely true uh he would put these rocks inside of the victims to help them uh sink to the bottom uh, at a certain point, though, semen was retrieved from some of the victims. Sites were under surveillance. He was actually called in to be interviewed three weeks after a murder. And Gary Ridgway went on to pass the polygraph. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a skill. A devious skill. Uh, 1987, though, he, uh, his pickup truck ends up bringing Ridgway under even more heat gets to the point where they end up visiting his house this is this is the first one where they talk to him they visit his house well that's in 83 and 84 something else happens where they talk to him now 87 they actually get a warrant to search gary ridgeway's house and his truck and they find nothing now as i previously mentioned a lot of these crimes took place in his house right so not not so smart but good at cleaning up his mess yeah with a lower than 80 IQ, low 80s, doesn't add up for me. Doesn't add up. Because if, if this guy's getting away with this kind of thing and he's able to elude these police, what kind of education do they have? They have to be well smarter than him, and they're not catching it. I don't even want to speculate. Yeah, it's weird, man. Uh, 1988, though, 40 women had uh, been documented to have vanished. And at this point, you're starting to notice that Gary is very good at hiding his ways because he gets married again. Yeah, for a third time. Yeah. And at this point, he still continues to mar uh, murder. Yeah, and the wife had no idea. He just said he was going into work early for overtime. Yep, and it was a place known as Kenworth. He was working at this place called Kenworth where he was painting the, the, the trucks and... The co-workers kind of knew 
that Ridgeway was a weird guy and that he had been questioned by the police already, but they didn't know that he was also fucking with them. Specifically, he would leave possessions that he had taken from the victims at his job, in the bathroom, in different areas, so that way somebody else would steal it and they'd be wearing it and Gary would like get a get a little laugh out of it to himself when he would see them wearing the victim's jewelry. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, this guy, he's wow. You said there's a movie about him? Yep, there's several. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I, I found a decent documentary from A&E. That's where I got a lot of my information. Because he okay. would also take, and they had mentioned a garage sale, garage sales that he would constantly have, where the neighbors and stuff would go and buy the things from him, and they would notice in the garage sale was quite a bit of young female jewelry. Like, how'd you get this? Why? Yeah, souvenirs, I guess, right? For sure. I mean, detectives still continue to take evidence. They continue to take evidence this entire time because in the future, let's see what happens. It was stockpiled, filling up the evidence room, and people would complain otherwise, right? I mean, when you have the general speculation that somebody's out there serial killing, you want to keep as much evidence as you can uncover because by 2001, there was finally DNA testing available. And two more victims had been found at this point, and there was two matches taken from that. Those victims that matched Ridgeway. So he's on the. He's uh been. Yeah, they're after him. They're Finally, him. Tw- twenty years yeah. after he started killing people. Yeah. Yes, two decades. How crazy! That's such a long time. It's it always is. the most inconspicuous. I feel that are the most devious. They're the fucking darkest. They do the most heinous shit. Like the closeness of the forearm choke from behind, that's dark. Doing it right in your house, bringing your son, so dark. Uh, These two matches led to his arrest, like we said, but the paint that he was known to have used at his job, at his home, the paint specks that were found in his truck and in his home and his work were also matches to paint that was tested in these crime scene areas. They were able to taint the... Uh, test the paint taint the paint that's fuck <laughs> they were able to test the paint that was another way that led to uh, his arrest it matched his truck and uh, the paint that he used at his job right now, the there's always is... a way to catch them there's always a way yes if not now there will be there will be in, in most cases there is a lot of unsolved shit but you get it uh the craziest thing for me about this whole thing is, like I said, he looks like an 8th grade social studies teacher. And uh, he remained active for 20 years. Problem is, for me, that made it the most interesting is the fact that they had already contacted him or questioned him three different times before his arrest. That is so bizarre. Yeah, really. It's like, how did he... I mean, to, to pass the polygraph to be questioned this many times and remain calm and mild-mannered. It's a little bit of a screw loose or something not quite right. Weird but strange, right? Yeah, but it's like, how did he end up... How did he get these guys that are used to talking to these type of people? How did he get them to believe that he was just a regular Joe that had no bad intentions? It doesn't make sense. There was nothing about him. You can look at his face now and be like, he looks shady. 
Yeah, yeah. Looking at the picture here on the wiki is just do de do do. Yeah, like maybe I guess in in some ways non-threatening, but I think there would be times where he would just say something a little off-putting that would be like, oh, that's a little weird. I guess maybe not because, like we said, neighbors and friends still didn't believe. Family didn't believe after he was arrested. All like, no, not Gary. Come on, not Mr. Ridgeway. He's got a social studies class at two. I don't know. School doesn't start he, that late. He, he was such a quiet, friendly man. Yeah, no way he could be doing any of any of this. He did pro, uh, protest his uh, innocence the entire time. Well, for the first while after being arrested, he's like, "I'm innocent. I'm innocent." Type of shit, as they do. Well, yeah. But by November fifth, two thousand three, all that doubt had been erased when he pleaded guilty to the death of forty-eight women. That's forty-eight. What? Yes, and and. In his acceptance of giving the confession, he was also supposed to tell them locations and names of victims and all this other stuff, purely to avoid the death penalty, as a lot of them do. And yeah, the a court, nice plea bargain. For sure, the trial is intense, to say the least. It is very intense because there's a lot of you know, obviously the victims' families talk to him and whatnot, but. Also, just the coldness in how he looks and the way he doesn't act as if anything is really taking place. He said uh, the victims meant nothing to him, and he stared stoically as the victims' families, you know, thrashed him for all that he did and took away from them. Until one father of a victim forgave Ridgeway, and his final words, Ridgeway's final words to the court, were the only real signs of emotion from Gary, both when this victim's father forgave him, as well as when he read this stuff. He cried. Oh. So, to a lot of the outsiders, it seemed legit, his emotion, and he, unlike a lot of the killers, he said, you know, he felt bad for the victims. He wasn't talking about himself. Right. It's a whole different angle when it comes to a serial killer. They typically aren't very favorable to their victims. It's more about themselves. And, and isn't, uh, isn't he the most prolific serial yes, killer in American history? Most prolific. And it's documented. It's in history. More, more victims than anyone else. Yep. A lot of other serial killers have claimed more victims, but Gary has the most identifiable victims. Right, the most proven. Yep, and there's still some out there that he is not sure about. Well, he yeah, because he did so many, he lost track. So sentenced to 48, but he claimed there could be as high as 71. Yep, or even 100. Right, you imagine? He, was, he, he lost track. But Ridgeway was placed in solitary confinement at Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla in January of 2004. On May 14, 2015, he was transferred to the USP Florence, a high-security federal prison east on Cannon City in Cannon City, Colorado. In September of 2015, after a public outcry and discussions with Governor Jay Inslee, Correction Security Bernie Warner announced that Ridgeway would be transferred back to Washington to be easily accessible for open murder investigations. Ridgeway was eventually returned by chartered plane to Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla, 
from the High Security Federal Prison in Florence, Colorado, on October 24th, 2015, and that's where he remains today. And he should stay there. Yeah, most definitely. is brought to you by Night Owl Entertainment. Each episode is produced, edited, and promoted by Patrick Michael. A big thanks to all the supporters on Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, as well as a five-star review. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash podculture. That's patreon.com slash P-O-D-C-U-L-T-U-R-E, or simply tell a friend about the show. This free entertainment is for all to enjoy, and I hope you've enjoyed. Thanks again to everyone who has listened, downloaded, or shared the shows. Until next time, peace, love, and harmony. Night Owl Entertainment is a podcast network featuring all genres of podcasting from comedy, movie reviews, to true crime and sports. <laughs>